Yeah, yeah, it's me again. We're back with our second installment of our series with the British citizens of Albion, Andrew Whitland and Adam Dietrich, and Big Code Cards guy himself, Max Hoffman. We had a ton of fun recording this in mid-December, so much so that we had to split the episode into the third installment. Part two will pick up where we left off in episode one. If you haven't heard that, and if you haven't listened to that yet, hit pause, go back, and give it a little listen. We focus on how we found our coaches and ended up where we're at now. Be on the lookout for episode three, where we talk about goals and then go off the rails with some questions. But for now, let's get on to the show. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to the Beers and Miles podcast. We talk about beers, miles, and whatever else we can manage to jump off topic with. My name is Chris, and we're back at it after a couple weeks. Uh, it is now a completely different season altogether here. I think I think we're in the winter now. I think the uh, last time we talked was in the fall. It's freezing. Uh, I'm not really enjoying it, but here, we're here. And uh, yeah, we're going to start like we always start. We're going to open up a beer. We are starting with Masthead Brewing Company's Haunted Hayride Pumpkin Ale. This comes from our friends up in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, we're going to enjoy this really quickly here. Um, as always, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. I'll leave a nice comments on iTunes. Uh, I think you can actually go five star on Spotify now, which is really cool. So if you want to do that, go ahead and do that. If you want to share it on your uh, your story, we'd really appreciate it. Share it to your friends. Share it to your enemies. Share it to your dog. Share it to your mom. Uh, share it to your... Yeah, that's all I got. Maybe your cat. Maybe your cat will enjoy it, but I don't know. Who knows? Um, we are back with not our usual suspects. Um, I don't know where they're at right now. Uh, I think Keane is hanging out with Barkley. Uh, Nicole is getting ready for bed. And uh, Brent, Brent's... Uh, I don't know, doing Brent things. So uh, we'll have him back on the podcast for a future episode because we have some uh, we have a special guest for the next one that you're going to enjoy. But we're talking about things today. And uh, we are back with, uh, with part two of our podcast uh, series. We enjoyed the first part of our podcast talking about some stories of some new guests here on the podcast. Uh, not so, actually, no, you've been on the podcast before. So, uh, introducing first, reintroducing first, allow me to reintroduce himself. His name is Max. Well, what an, what an illustrious introduction. I feel honored to be on the Beers and Miles podcast for the second time, Chris. So It's not the second time. You've been on it three times, four times. Oh, I guess those were a little bit more informal than, than what we have going on today. But yeah, uh, a friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Uh, and let's drink the beer. Let's try this out real quick. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Thank you. Oh yeah, tastes like Cleveland. Gritty. I I, I don't I, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> I, I I didn't think I'd get there. I'll let you sit on that one for a little bit. Uh, I will. I will. I think I'll have a little bit more to talk about once we get to the next alcohols. Uh, next up, we have uh, our first of our British citizens of Albion. Uh, we have uh, Andrew Whitland. How you doing? Doing great, man. Glad to be back for uh, for round two. Glad I made the cut, and uh, very honored. We had a lot of people send in some hate messages about it. Uh, we decided to not pay attention to them, uh, or what they felt, or what they said, or the people that were, uh, I don't know, not really happy about the last episode, uh, with your, your vulgarity, uh, and the vulgarity of the other prediction on this podcast, Adam <laughs> Dietrich. I didn't, think, my, I didn't, think, I didn't think mine was that bad, but... Good. I think he means by the hate mail, he means like my parents uh, being like, Andrew, tone it down. Hey, they, they said, Andrew, tone it the fuck down, all right? <laughs> hey, it's always shout out to Bill and Kathy. But great to be here. 
Yeah, oh, it's mess. Great to be mess. Here, guys. Great to do this again. Had a lot of fun last time, so I'm happy we're doing it again. So, what are you guys enjoying to drink right now? Or what are you guys drinking? Yeah, so we'll give a shout out to Decora, Iowa, Toplin Goliath Brewing. I, I This was like, um, I felt so lucky finding this. This is the Pineapple Papaya Fandango. So, kettle sour with uh, pineapple and papaya. Um, I found the very last single can at my favorite liquor store, Rishi's International Beverage on 28th Street. Shout out. Um, yeah, really good. Great all times of the year. So I thought I'd break out one of my favorites for uh, some of my favorite people tonight. That's a great beer. I've had a, no, I haven't had that one, but I've had the Cherry Fandango. Uh, that one's great as well. If you're in Columbus, uh, don't go. I, I love this place, but there's a theater in the area that sells alcohol, and they were selling it for a dollar an ounce. It was Oh, so we like ended up buying we ended up buying pints and it ended up costing us thirty two dollars. It went the tip. It, it hurt. It hurt a lot. Jeez. Uh, but that that beer is fantastic. I think it's the, the cherry fan is the closest that I can get to a Belgian red consistently and be be able to have. So, Dietrich, what are you enjoying? I've got a classic lime goes just because I'm taking it easy after you know the we're doing the whole. Uh, Chris and Woody and us were doing the whole like 20 days of like advent beer calendar type thing. So for a uh, classic lime goes from One Well Brewing in Kalamazoo, so local. And uh, yeah, hoping it tastes pretty good. I have not nice actually nice. tried this before. So, but that was kind of the spirit of the whole thing that we're doing, right? Is trying new things. So. Oh shit, I haven't posted this one. I think I had a different beer yesterday, so I can post it on that. Cool. Uh, yeah, we're doing like a 20-day advent calendar kind of thing where we're just talking about our beers, different beers that we have. So oh, cool! That's awesome. A lot of fun. Uh, but I think we'll have a beer. We'll have a a boot on Friday as our as our beer. So yeah, we will. Uh, uh, yeah. So let's 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 get back uh, to where we're at before. Uh, I think we got through pretty much everybody's stories about how they ended up getting to the uh, getting past college. Uh, a lot of un. I guess a lot of just unfinished business across the board. Um, so I guess let's start off with um, I don't know. How do we want? I, I mean, let's let's roundtable it. Like, how do? Hmm. Of course, I'm gonna be able to cut this out. So, uh, <coughs> I, um, we've all hit the roads except for Dietrich. And we talked a little bit about how it's a tougher, tougher route to go to, but like, how has the process been completely trans? And we'll start with like, we'll start with the marathoners first, or the soon-to-be marathoners first. Uh, <laughs> how was that that introduction to the marathon and, and and getting getting a chance to like really dip your toes in from going from like five k, ten k out to marathoning? I can start with that one. Um, I think to wrap it all around where I left off in the last episode, we were talking about how I, I felt that college running had ended okay. And then I kind of took a step back and I became kind of like a hermit <laughs> in life and running. I, I just like, I was having a difficult time with that transition post-college and running was really on the back burner. So it was uh, not very high mileage. I ran over 10 miles a day. I, I, one day, it was a big day. So um, and that was after I run my Boston qualifier too. So I did that right after college, ran the Bayshore Marathon. So I, I was in for the Boston Marathon at that point, but I didn't know how seriously I would take it. I was scaled back from running 
just kind of was unsure about everything. And I, I think, you know, I think this is common with running. There wasn't like a snap moment or like an aha moment that like made me 180 and want to just get all the motivation back. I think it was just slow and gradual. I did a road race in the fall of 2019 and I thought I would take a week off afterwards. It was like a 10 mile race. And so I, um, I did, but then the Monday came around after the race and I went out for a run. Then Tuesday I went out for a run and just kind of kept going. And then I was seeing, you know, that was the fall of 2019. Chicago came around, New York came around. I was seeing these people I knew running really fast. And so I was like, you know, maybe we'll get some competitive goals together for Boston. And I, the, the first and foremost part of that was I had to figure out how to train because <laughs> that, that Boston qualifier that I ran at Bayshore, I, I think I said in the last episode, I had no, I want, I need to underscore. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I was on 5k, 10k training at that point. And so I was really slogging into the finish. So I, I had told myself if I was going to run another marathon, well, I had to really figure out like how to train for a marathon, how to peak and do all that stuff. So I think it was, uh, New Year's Eve, uh, our good friend, Adam Dietrich came over to my house and he just kind of told me, he was like, um, yeah, I was out running with a couple guys. One of them Zach Ornelas. And apparently he coaches guys like post-collegiately, you know, uh, maybe you should, maybe you should reach out to him about that. You know, it's middle of New Year's Eve, we're, we're drinks deep. I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Um, so, and I knew who Zach was, like, cause I'm like, you know, a stat head. Like I, I, I know who like the big Michigan runners are. I love paying attention to that stuff. So I knew who Zach was. So I was like, uh, next week rolls around and I'm like, you know, maybe I should reach out to Zach. So I, I just, uh, I don't know if Chris, I don't know if you ever heard this story. I just kind of cold DM'd him on Instagram and was like, Hey man, like I've run this for the marathon. Uh, I, this is my running background, like TLDR of it. Would you, would it be possible for you to like maybe do some, a marathon training plan for me? And you reached back. I was like, yeah, sure. Let's have a call this weekend. And, uh, hit it off instantly and he really uh I, I was really liking kind of training he set up and it was it was different for sure because i think one of the first things he told me was that we were going to have one day off a week and i was one of especially in college i was one of those very mental runners you know actually i ran all seven days but if i took like one day off it would get in my head and i'd be like oh man like i'm i'm taking steps back um but and i know chris d train i've talked about this before since we're all coached by zach nowadays that one day off i cannot imagine not having it it's so nice especially you know it's (laughs) damn it chris (laughs) i as i was saying i cannot imagine dietrich's dabbing man this is this is going (laughs) off the rails quick this is man (laughs) this guy's guy's trying to tell his life story and we're out here like (laughs) we out here Always have been. Anyways, yeah, so um, the one day off, it, it just, but then um, that's been nice. But really adjusting to the marathon training was um, it. I kind of liked it because I always liked doing more mileage, and it felt just in my wheelhouse. So in terms of the training, it was going well, and I was feeling good about it. And then, of course, you know, March 2020 comes around. Boston gets canceled. I was really, I was really pissed about that, but obviously understanding of – the circumstances we were all in 
And so, so um, we'll put a we'll put a pause there because it kind of goes yeah. into I want I want to get into I guess how each person met their coach. So essentially, it's going to be three of us talking about how we met Zach, and then Max talking about how he met his coach. Yeah. So, uh, Max, on your end, wait, Max isn't coached by Zach. Why is he in this podcast? I don't oh, know. God, I'm sorry, guys. I should probably just disconnect. So for you, yeah, you are like. I guess that the conversation goes from here is like, because like, like the transition from college to post grad, there's more than just going and saying like, well, shit, we're just gonna keep running. You're not running with your coach anymore. You're not running with the guys as much as you want to sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, for you, you were running. You were your grad assistant. But like, when did the cut happen from you being coached from your college coach or just doing basically jumping into training with them? Uh, to where you're at now and was it tough for you to go and say like the last four years I've been trained by the same person am I getting mm-hmm. and, and trusting in somebody else yeah that's actually a really interesting point so I'm actually coached by my high school coach uh, Travis which is it's pretty cool but it's it's funny you mentioned that like how that split happened because my senior year of college I I specifically reached out to him and Travis and I have had this like really cool relationship. Like we've kept in touch while I've been in college. Like he'd always text me after races, um, just like you know, been keeping up since I was in high school. And I reached out to my senior year. I was like, hey, like, you know, it's senior track. Like I think after I finish this thing up, you know, I really want to transition to the roads. Do you think you could coach me? Um, so it's funny because it was a little bit pre-planned in a way, and. Then obviously, right? COVID COVID nineteen happens in our world, kind of, kind of just is. goes on pause, right? Yeah, what is it? Honestly, oh, we're gonna get flagged now for being like, <laughs> look up, contact your local health officials for info on COVID nineteen. Um, I don't remember to check the boilage. Yeah, check it. Um, but it was uh, it was nice because it was just a really transition. Um, so right, everything gets canceled and take some time away from running after that and then kind of jumped into a, a training plan with my high school coach. Um, so that was, that was really cool. It was an interesting transition because how he does things is kind of the complete opposite of how we trained in college. Um, you guys could probably relate to this, but when you're in college, right, it's kind of like every workout is kind of hard and you might lose kind of the sense of a workout, right? Like a tempo run can turn into a pretty hard threshold run um, pretty quickly when you're around some guys who are, are eager and working hard. Um, so it took some time to kind of, you know, learn a new training system. Um, but working with them, you know, right away, I saw my personal best drop like pretty significantly. I think like from 5K, I went from like 1507 to like 1436 in like four months. Um, dropped like 40 seconds off my 10k so it was just like I don't know it was nice to see those changes and, and just train in a new way that from what I'd been doing doing for the three years prior um, and then I kind of found my way to the roads right because that's for a lot of folks the next logical step after you leave college and I, I can say you know I haven't had the chance to marathon like you alluded to um, I was supposed to this December I was supposed to marath- I was supposed to have my debut three days ago at uh, CIM but Obviously, that was derailed by a little setback. Um, so, so, so going back a little bit on that, yeah, because uh, I mean, even from there, and I, I think there is something to be said about even college training. It, it's 
I don't necessarily think it's a whole situation. I think it's across the, across the board, across the country. Like, I don't necessarily think it's the, the training itself that ends, lends itself to people, like, hammering it out. It's just, like, essentially it's it's being with the boys or, or like, I guess both sides. Like, being with the women or being with the boys. It's, like, you're just pushing each other and you're running hard and, like, you're running hard for the team. But in reality, you're probably running a little too hard than you should. <laughs> yeah. So, like, when it gets to individualized training, it just kind of changes a little bit. And also, really quickly, I didn't want to shout out to Travis at Second Splat Podcast. Podcast. Absolutely fantastic listen. Like, it's not even that, like, I really like Travis. It's that his podcast is very good. He has a podcast episode on, um, is it, uh, is it uh, Bill Rogers? Yeah, the Bill Rogers Boston episode is fantastic. Incredible. Yeah, and he's that's a, a great listen. He's very much, like, a student of the sport. He's mm-hmm. had some great... Uh, some great guests on it. Would highly recommend it. One of the best podcasts to listen to. Now I don't really listen to many running podcasts, but definitely one I would I would highly recommend. Um, I do want to. So it's funny you mentioned that because Travis, um, obviously he was my high school coach and he coaches you know a lot of guys that we run with now. It's it's funny because he didn't really run in high school. Um, he did like recreationally to like get in shape for basketball, but he never ran in college. And, you know, he kind of fell in, ru- in love with running, you know, after he finished college um, and got into it. And now he's just a total, you know, running nerd, like always, you know, very much a student <laughs> of the sport, looking up new training philosophies, um, implementing with like folks he coaches. So it's just it's interesting because he doesn't maybe necessarily have that same background that we all share, you know, where we grew up with running and we we lived it. We breathed it for our time in college. So it's just kind of cool to see. To where he's gotten now in the sport and, yeah. and just how much he gives back to it. Absolutely. I ran with him last week or the week before and with the entire group and we we're in the back just kind of just chatting about things about like the early 2000s mm-hmm. and like about like different programs and how they're like they're running and like different coaches, different things like that. Like he's incredibly methodical in terms of how he, how he trains people and like it's very scientific. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like, I mean... That's one thing you'll see with a lot of coaching too. It's like a lot of really great coaches actually weren't runners themselves. Uh, it doesn't happen too, too often, but it happens quite a bit. Like, it happens a lot in like, high school for some reason. But, like, you'll see, like, people that are just, like, treated kind of like science itself. And then, like, it's trial and error. It's a lot of trial and error. But, um, yeah, from, so from there, um, I mean, heading out to longer stuff, was that the plan immediately, like, as soon as you finish college, that, I mean, you said your plans were hit the roads a little bit, but, like, the roads are a little bit different from, hey, you were running 5K, 10K, or 8K cross, mm-hmm. to, hi, we're going to add double to that and run yeah. a half marathon. We weren't even talking about the marathon, because that's still a thing within the future, but, like, even hitting the half, mm-hmm. like, how was, how was that kind of approach that? Yeah, so I was initially very... Um, kind of against it because you know you leave college and you know DJ and I talked about it on the last podcast a little bit when you when you end your college career on pretty much the worst foot possible and then your track season gets canceled you have a little bit of fire under you right Um, so I was like man I can't even think about the roads like I got to run a good 3k I got to run a good 5k before I can even really think about that stuff so I was a little bit hard-headed the first probably like five or six months that Travis coached me and really like, you know, wanted to focus on PRing in those shorter events. 
And, you know, it was during COVID-19, right? So, like, there were no races happening. It was all getting four or five guys together for a time trial and trying to run fast. So um, that's what we did for a little bit. But then, you know, once things started to clear up a little bit and there were some races available, that's when he really started to kind of, like, suggest, hey, you know, maybe we should take a look at a half marathon and step up to that distance. And, you know, in college, I was definitely – I was a guy who loved mileage. I hated taking days off. I was like, the longer the better. You know, that was definitely my kind of my mindset. So um, after a little bit of, after a little bit of, uh, you know, convincing had to be done. You know, I was, I was eager to to take a stab at something new. Um, that was uncharted territory, and that was that was actually in Toledo, which we, we ran that race together. That was had, a really fun weekend. I had no idea that was your your debut. Yeah, that was my first one, man. When we uh, stayed at that. that that really weird hotel across the street from, uh, was it Applebee's where we had dinner the night before? Yep. Yep, what a magical evening that was. Yeah, meanwhile, like, everybody's taking it seriously, including myself. Well, no, I, I went to I went to a meadery right before that. Um, and, and then meanwhile, Brayden's having three bodies. Uh, <laughs> and then it ends up kicking my ass. He, he got mad at me for setting an alarm to shake out. He's like, dude, why are you getting up so early? I'm like, man, our race starts at, like, 6 a.m. Like... <laughs> Uh, Max, I think I remember. Um, so I was in that race too. We won't get into my race, um, but wait, you were there on that magical that magical morning until I I got turned around when I didn't need to get turned around. But that's mm. we won't get into that. Oh, um, that's a that's a no, scandal. The thing I will say was that um, I think I remember watching like the the local news footage of the race, mm-hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong, but did you like immediately collapse when you crossed the line? Oh yeah, dude. I, I, that was the first half I've ever run and to this day, like the most painful because my, like Travis told well, you me. you ran fast. Like, I ran like for my first one, I think I was like 68.01 or two. Yeah. But like Travis told me like, Hey man, like this is your first one, like take it out conservative, you know, just kind of stick <laughs> on the back. And I went, I went straight to the front and I was like, I was leading. I was like, dude, this is, this feels so easy. And then obviously, you know, it, it then gets, you got through Ottawa, and it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, because like they, they they had told us ahead of that race that it was like it was advertised as flat. That was uh, dog well, shit. I was told that too. Fabricated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you probably did see me on the news, like sprawling on like the 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 ground of the glass bowl, like writhing in pain. Yeah, oh, the worst. Like, or no, I was saying like that's that. I think that's that dude from Outerbine, and I was like, oh wow, he's not having a good time right now. <laughs> I think he's dying. I think they just brought out the uh, the the little machine that starts. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, it, it it is a pause. We're drinking uh, a pretentious American sour, a pretentious brewing house, pretentious barrel house from Columbus, Ohio. This is salad. It's a five point six percent sour. I really don't know what's in it because it doesn't really say what's in it. So, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but that race was dumb. I still like I don't I like the bat. No, I don't really give a shit. I'll bash a local race. <laughs> like that race really was like so many problems really like to bash a local race immediately bashes them. I don't like to bash a local race. Toledo, are you listening? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what? First and foremost, I'm a hater. Uh, so uh Toledo, they sent off half the field, like, in the, the wrong way. Um, and then from there, for the finishers, uh, they had the clock 
messed up. Yeah. So I had a bet with Kira D'Amato during that time, and if it was, I beat her PR at the time, I think it was like 68.50, then I got, I got a beer package from Richmond, which would have been great. If I lost, well, I sent her a beer package myself. Uh, yeah, so it said like 68 low, and I was like, holy crap, I ran like a monster today. Wow. Nope, nope, nope. It was like 69.30 something. Not. It, it was the most like tease that I've, oh. Running teas still over nice. I, I I will add. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean. No, to I was going to say it's still nice. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> no, <laughs> nice. very nice. My my last piece of hate for that marathon, which we've had plenty. You can actually, Woody, you could probably add more because you were part of the crowd <laughs> that got sent the wrong direction, which is absolutely absurd that that happened. But the end of that race is insane. <laughs> you take like you take like five hard right turns in like the last 400 meters 90 degree 90 yeah, degree you're just like cutting degree. and your legs are obviously toasted because you've been racing for you know an hour plus yeah so i, I don't know uh, last year last year was uh, last year was worse so like i again first and foremost i'm a hater um this year's marathon uh the tracker had it at like i think it was like 3.5 miles 15.4 miles and then like 22 point something how the hell am i supposed to know what pace they're on at 15.4 miles that means nothing to me they had no other mats there it was awful and then from there i have a bone to pick with a three-hour pacer from this year if you find him and you know who he is i just want to talk i just want to talk because this man <laughs> this man took one of my athletes through and it was like apparently half to the halfway mark was like yeah we're a couple minutes ahead of schedule for a three-hour marathon, he's a couple of minutes ahead of schedule for the for the half marathon point. He was supposed to be running six fifty twos. He was running six thirty eights. You're supposed to pace people. I have a problem with you, sir. We'll we'll talk one day. That's really bad. Just talk. The ball's in your court, Toledo. How are you going to respond? <laughs> I, I will say um, to to um, you, you know while we do like to be player haters. You know, um, somebody, somebody say Chris is, is the nastiest hater of the year. That is, um, that's a shoo for hater of the year. <laughs> um, I will say the, um, race organizer, um, after the incident happened with my corral was, uh, actually called me directly and, and apologized. And, um, so he's, he's a very good, he's a very nice guy. I think there's, you know, every race has its quirks. Um, but, uh, he, at, at the core of it, he's a nice guy and I think they're, they're trying their best. Sounds like Wendy's in the pocket of the Toledo Marathon. Yeah, he got paid okay, off. He's been paid off. <laughs> he got a free entry for the following year. That's why he's cool with it. I mean, I can't, I can't complain about a free entry. Was, things ain't cheap these days. I can complain about anything. <laughs> I can You're a shoo-in. You're a shoo-in. But gen- genuinely, I really hope they, they do get it together for this year. Because like, I really like Toledo. I, I have a connection to Toledo because I used to work there, and I that's the reason why I was really happy to run it. So I hope they do really well. You, you know what I'm potential to be a race. You know what I'm interested in? Shoot, I'm interested to see if uh, Adam Beatry runs the Toledo half. Now that's something that actually the Let's Run boards have been buzzing about. Yeah, <laughs> let's hear about let's hear about Dietrich's Dietrich's journey to the roads. So Dietrich, let's hear about your journey to meeting Mr. Zachary Ornelas. Uh, yeah. So. I think I talked last pod about a bunch of friends of mine that were still running for U of M at the time, um, which is what kept me running, really. Um, 
because that summer was super nice because I didn't have to think about anything. I could just join them on their runs. Um, but Zach, who was a U of M alum, obviously, joined uh, joined us on like an easy run one day. And we just had a good group. We were just, you know, classic easy run, just chilling, talking, good banter and stuff like that. And so every now and then he would show up on a couple runs. Um, at the time, he was still living like in the city right next to mine. Um, so like we'd always run at the orchards and stuff like that. And then uh, it was funny how Woody tells a story that like I introduced like him to Woody as a coach because like he was not coaching me at that time. Like, like it was just like, oh yeah, I know this dude. Like apparently he coaches, he's not coaching me, but you should reach out to him. Like, so he did obviously and it worked out. Um, Cause at the time I, I was still doing whatever my friends were doing that summer. And then once that ended, they went back to school in the fall. And I was like, yeah, I can't keep getting their training plans from their coach. That would be really weird and not okay. Um, that's when I like was, I actually helped that day. I remember I helped pace Zach through like two miles of a 5K or whatever he was doing. Or like, I can't. Was it 10K? No, and he ran that like was a different point, day. Oh, okay. But he did run. I did pace him for that too. And that he balled out on. Um, but there was a different day. He was for, like, I was pacing him through something. And I was like, yeah, like, do you want to, like, coach me now? Because, like, because, like, I can't do that anymore. And he's like, yeah, dude, like, I'll send you something, like, in a couple days. And I was like, okay. Like, it was really that nonchalant. Like, hey, do you want to coach me? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then I heard back from him. Like, I just texted him, like, a couple days later. So, like, yeah, that's how it happened. That's uh, hilarious. But at that point, we were already pretty good friends. So it was, like, pretty easily just, like, yeah, dude, like, he was i think he was trying to like do it anyway already like he was kind of like itching like telling me like certain things to yeah. do like and i was like all right man just go for it yeah <laughs> which i think it does like kind of i up the conversation of like i think how how we're talking about this is kind of like our stories is like i guess the goal for me with this is like there's a lot of similarities of why we're still doing this and for a lot of people it's kind of wondering why what's their why and how they get it how do they like how to have long long how to have consistency and longevity in the sport uh post-college i think that's that's the main goal for me with this is like and and there's a lot of things that that come about with that so like i think we've all been in a situation where like we leave college and then our essentially our training plan is whatever my friend's doing <laughs> i'm just gonna jump in a workout i think i should be doing eight to ten miles a day and then I'm, hey what are you doing for a workout all right i'll jump into this workout and uh and essentially that's the end of how, how training goes uh and then maybe you throw a race in there uh and then it just kind of goes from there uh but it was kind of like the same way for me it was like i didn't really have a plan i just knew like oh i just have a, a goal for like i think right when i moved here it was like let's get up to 50, 55 miles a week and kind of see where it goes from there. Uh, and then I got hurt. And uh, then I just like stopped really running, like training consistently. I would just go to pub runs and like would run like 530, 540 or like six flats for like every pub run on Tuesdays and Thursdays and then drink beers with people. And that was basically all I did. Uh, and then uh, uh, going back to that, I, I think I told him in the first episode of how I ended up marathoning was like just all the drunk junk sign up um but i remember like after boston well i, I think boston was a connection to zach i've known zach for over 10 years 
uh, at that point, just from like dad's kind of message boards. Um, but it was, uh, it was right before Boston. I remember him giving me advice. He gave me a little bit of advice for my first marathon and gave me like kind of the 10, 10, 10, uh, like 10, 10, 10 strategy, but then gave me advice before Boston and Gay actually gave me a call like the night before, like or the, the Friday before. And I remember I was like eating lobster. I was like, uh, I, I go to, I go up to Portland, Maine and I have lobster every time. It's great. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember him calling me and he's like, dude, I'm so excited that you're doing Boston. Like he sounded more excited for a race than I was. And like, he wasn't even coaching me. And so he like told me and gave me a bunch of advice about it. And then at that point I was like, <clears throat> goal was, I wasn't want, I didn't want to run Boston. Then I ended up signing up for Boston. Then I ended up, I was like, okay, this sounds pretty cool. This whole marathon things, I guess it's not for the birds. And then I end up like saying, all right, once Boston's done, I'm, I'm going to go back to the short stuff. I'm going to go back to the, the 5K, 10K stuff. I want to go like, I still want to challenge PRs. Cause I, I think the whole thing of it is, is like when you've run those distances for such a long time, you just kind of get addicted to trying to beat those times. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to let that go. It's like, it's really hard to let go, like trying to be like, trying to break the 5k PR, trying to break your 10k PR. Uh, it's really trying to like, not doing steeple or anything like that. And it's like, all right, well, I want to still go to the roads and try to break 15. I still want to go to the roads and like, and try to run well, or I want to do some track races, and I want to do the 3K, I want to do the mile, I want to, I want to break some PRs, because I just, like, I haven't broken them over, like, in, in a couple of years. Um, but then I ran Boston, and, like, it didn't go as well as I wanted it to, but then I was like, well, there's potential here, because I lost an entire month of training, and so I ran 234, like, baby. So, I remember talking to Zach and being like, hey, I kind of did this on my own, uh, and my training, my training was essentially... <laughs> I don't think I did any workouts until I got up to 90, but I did 70, 70, 80, 80, 90, 90. And I got to the Friday before I was supposed to hit 100. And I was going to do some workout that I found on last run. It was 12 times 1K at 520 pace for 200 jog at least you had a good place to get workouts that's <laughs> stuff. i will say let's run if you if you do your own search bar the right kind of search bars you can like i've gotten myself off an achilles injury off of just like let's run doing a, a lot of uh, just uh searching a bunch of like uh rehab stretches like that actually saved my ass one time like i would just i did all these stretches and i went to uh uh i went out and it was like yeah so you've been doing everything you should be doing uh, I think you're gonna put you're gonna say a disclaimer so for all the kids at home. Listen to Chris. Go right on. Let's run. Don't listen to anything your coach says. Get it right <laughs> on, <get it> right. <laughs> but I remember just going around the corner of like one of the one Ks, and my my uh, Achilles started burning, and I thought I tore my Achilles. It was like it was like with the original make the flies, the original zoom flies, and it was like it ruined me. Uh, but then I, like I finished Boston, and I remember reaching out to Zach, and I had searched for his coach because uh, I kind of was like I kind of embarrassed to ask him like hey can you coach me uh, and like because I didn't know if he would <laughs> and so I was like hey who coaches you and he's like dude I can coach you I was like really he's like yeah man just like 
shoot me, shoot me a text. And I was like, cool. <laughs> it was like the most nonchalant way of like, and I think it's been all through us. The most nonchalant way we've ended up like, like being like having app, uh, being coached. But it was it like. It sounds like Wittius was the most formal, and that was like an Instagram DM. <laughs> like, I, I didn't know this, man. Please, sir. Please, sir. Can we have some what, coaching? What, what, <laughs> like, hey, y'all got any more of that coaching? Here, like, hey, Zach, you up? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but I would say it was tough, like, because like. I, I think on the other side of things, because I've coached people, even when I was in grad school, I was coaching some of the Laverne guys. Uh, it was easier for me to not have a connection with, like, coaching, because, like, my undergrad coach, like, didn't accept me back on, like, didn't let me back on the team as far as, like, uh, when I graduated. So I was just like, okay, fuck you, dude. Like, I don't really like your training anyways. Um, and then... Uh, then we got a grad school. It was a lot more collaborative. Like Croy was fantastic. He was taking over the entire program, and like a lot of it was pretty collaborative. And he gave me a lot of freedom to be able to like set my own workouts and like and even set my own like training schedule for how much miles I wanted to run. Um, I think with everybody else, he had schedules for them just because they knew what like they didn't really know what they were doing. But like with myself, was like especially like my last year was like he kind of trusted that I knew what I was doing at this point because of just how conversations went and like how much I've studied on like running and stuff. Uh, but I think the hard thing for me was, and I think the, it's a hard thing for a lot of people is when you've run this sport for such a long time, it's hard to be able to, when you're doing it on your own for a little bit, to let, let go of those reins and say like, I'm going to go back to having somebody coach me. And that was a tough thing for me because I was like, I think I can coach myself. And I was like, I think I could coach myself to sub 230. But then it was like, there was so much more to it that I needed to learn. Um, that was, I don't think, I, I generally think I would not have been, at, I, I wouldn't have gotten to the level without a coach. It's hard because when you're coaching yourself, like you'll always naturally gravitate to doing those things that you're already pretty good at. Like none of us really want to do things that we suck at. Like for me, that's hills. That's like short sprints. Speaking of which, um, what did I do today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's you need someone in your ear to kind of say like, hey, like yeah, that's you have a really great aerobic base and you can crush tempo runs. But if you want to be any good at, you know, the five k, ten k, you gotta work on that pure speed. So just like having someone in your ear who can like, kind of kind of level you out and, and incorporate those things that you might necessarily do. It's, like, really important to have. Even if you have been in the sport for, like, you know, eight, nine, ten years, like, you still need someone. I think it's really nice to have someone who can, who can kind yeah, of balance I, that. I think it's a really yeah, good yeah. Go ahead. And, I think it was... And that's oh, just the thing. Oh, sorry, Dietrich. <laughs> yeah, you bet. No. Uh, we got we got a good lock here. Um, actually, when Chris <laughs> was saying that, I kind of believe the exact opposite thing. I was very, like, I'm very happy to let somebody else to like come up with my training plan like um i just don't want to think about it while i'm at work or any of that other stuff as far as like oh what am i gonna do today or like when i wake up in the morning like trying to decide what i was gonna fit in where as far as like what i'm gonna do like for me it was so much easier just to like let somebody else worry about that specifically someone who i know like is a good friend of mine and that has my best interests like it at heart like I said the same thing to another friend of ours, like, who we talked about last time, Kyle, like, who, when he was, like, struggling with, like, running, I was like, dude, just have somebody else, like, 
now and then Kyle was getting coached by Zach for a little bit. And it was like, yeah, dude, just reach out to him. Like, that way you don't have to think about it. You don't have to second-guess yourself every single – like, because that's another thing. Like, I would second-guess myself so easily as far as, like, if anything went wrong in, like, a workout plan. It's like, oh, it must have been something I did. Like, something either I came up with was wrong or something I did – like, I didn't execute it well. And then suddenly you're kind of in this whole tailspin of, like – your um, confidence going downhill, blah, 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 blah. I didn't, like, I don't want to deal with any of that. So, like, you, if you find someone who has shown they know what the, that, sh- who's shown they know what they're doing, like, it's so much easier to just kind of let them take the reins and, like, you have trust in them as long as, like, you build that rapport with them, that you have trust in them that they can handle, like, getting you fit at least again. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I think there's something to be said about being a lifelong learner in the sport. The, the whole thing I think you guys kind of talked about, it's, it's humbling a little bit because especially for people like us, you know, we ran in high school, we ran in college, you walk out of that and you, you kind of think you know a thing or two, right? Um, but especially when you move up in distance to something like the marathon or the half, there's just like, it's completely different territory. You know, you weren't coached on that in, in college or anything below that. So it, it, I think there's something to be said about keeping that open mind and wanting to learn more. And I think that's, that's a big thing that I enjoy about kind of still having a coach is that, um, you know, Zach is, has a great wealth of knowledge with running, uh, through all of his years. And I think that, uh, you know, I'm not afraid to ask him, you know, about some stuff about training or just stuff about running in general. Cause I think that, you know, as communal of a sport as running is, help helping understand other people's experiences and their knowledge that they can impart onto you makes you better and can help push your training forward. So I think it's, I think it's beneficial as a whole, and I think it's also just beneficial having finding the right fit, you know, and someone who understands. I, I think I can speak for Chris, Deidre, myself that the nice thing with Zach is that he understands that running isn't our lives. You know that we work full-time jobs and he's a busy guy himself so i think knowing that you have to fit around right and him being flexible that he has to fit running around life the same way that we do it's uh it really helps kind of mutual understanding and it helps i think just it is it gets it speaks to that longevity that you know it can create that healthy balance and you have kind of a, a guiding force to help you with that yeah, absolutely. And, and going back real quick on, on what Max said, I got to reinforce the point a little bit there, is that the point you said about it's like you really enjoy, like when you're coaching yourself, you tend to really just focus on things you really like doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's such a really, really important point because it's like, I, I just remember like if, if it's so easy just to continue to do the same things over and over again and be like, well, I just really good at these workouts. So like, (laughs) yeah, let's just keep doing this. Let's keep hammering. This is great. And it's like, but then there's also a thing where like, you don't, there's no kind of accountability either. So like, if you're just like, you want to take a day off and you're coaching yourself, well, you can be lazy. It's like, for me, I, that was the biggest thing for me is like accountability. Like, 100%. I know that I can't be accountable for myself. Like, 
I give a shit a lot about like I I, I give a shit about 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 this. Like even the last couple of weeks, like Zach hasn't been coaching me. And I've been um, I've just been kind of just like hamming it up and doing what I want to do. But like then in like the couple of weeks that I'm like, all right, let's get back serious about it. It's so that I can actually be like, hey Zach, I'm ready to train again because I'm not going to give you a half-ass like me being out of shape and like saying, hey, you can train me because that that's not fair. I I don't want to disrespect his time. And say like I want to be coached right when I'm out of shape. I want to be coached when I have a couple of weeks of base and then think I'm ready to do workouts again. I'm not trying like I don't need to talk to you about doing base and undisciplined like, and you, and I've done this long enough to know that what it takes to do base like there's not much of a conversation there, um, but it's just a thing where it's like okay well, let's I'm ready to go do it. Let me know what I need to do and I'll be accountable for what I need to be doing uh, and I. I, I appreciate the, the help that I'm getting. Um, then on the other side, like that happy balance of like fitting that into your life without it being a, like, I, I think with college, you're so used to that being like running, being the be all end all. And I think for a lot of us that we ran in college, running might've taken more priority over our studies. Because um, <laughs> I think I've been more pissed off about I, I've been more pissed off about races, and I've like let that ruin my entire week. I've never let a bad test. Ruin I was my just thinking week. the same thing. <laughs> I was like, thinking the same thing. I was like, I've had races <laughs> where my day is absolutely just done, where like I'll leave an exam and just be like, eh, I'll get it next time. <laughs> <Yeah>. Honor <laughs> roll students. Honor roll students. The honor roll. I don't want to hear it. I did make it one semester. <laughs> Yeah, I know. We put it on the fridge in the apartment, Dietrich. I remember. Hey, hey, hey I, 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 I uh, graduated top of my class in grad school, so go fuck yourself. Ooh, okay. <laughs> if we're Sorry. talking flexes here, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, um, but that 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 is the thing. Like, it, it's in college. I think we put so much focus on this like running thing, and it's like if it doesn't go well, we just kind of lose it. And it's finding that kind of balance and also that patience of being able to do this post-college. Um, because ultimately, like, it's you're not a professional runner. None of us are professional runners. And even if you're a professional runner, more than likely not making enough money to survive. You probably have to have another job on top of that. I'm sorry, but the USATF is fucked up and it's not paying our athletes enough like the other professional athletes. Yeah, it's the, UT, it's the USATF's fault, not my fault for not being amazing. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I am good enough to make a Again. living off of this. USATF, pay me. <laughs> Again, first and foremost, I'm a hater. Facts. Uh, True. Drop your address, Dietrich, so USATF knows where to find you, so they can send you your free money. They'll find yeah. these hands but, waiting for them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But, but, but it is the thing where, like, you need to figure it out, like, where running fits in your life. And it needs to not be a priority. Like, it should be, a, like, yeah. if you want to do well in it, like, make it a priority for training in the time that you are doing it. But it shouldn't be the priority of your entire life anymore. Like, I don't think, I, I personally, for the mass majority of ourselves that are not, like, actually trying to find a future in running, like, actually professional. Um, so, I guess the 99% of us. I don't believe there's any, I, I don't see that there's a, a really much like longevity with people that go like bank all, all in and don't have a, like a stable other part of life. Like you need to have 
like running can't be the main priority. There has to be other stuff in in in, in it because otherwise it's just gonna be. This shit's exhausting. <laughs> like, yeah. Because yeah, at the very least with college, like you don't have any other responsibilities. Like yeah, you have school and you can just like, but like in general, you're hanging out with your friends and you're going to school and that's basically it. Like when you have a full time job and you're like going and just like actually have to pay bills and different things like that, and that's the stressors of your life and like realizing that like, well. If I fail a test, well, I can just take another test. If I fail my job, I get fired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, that's the stresses of that. It's like much more like there needs to be other priorities outside of running. And there needs to be a healthy balance of being able to say like, hey, running can be, can take a backseat for a little bit. It doesn't need to take a full backseat on it, but it can be take a backseat for a little bit while I try to focus on other things. And especially in those transitions from college to post-college, like, it needs to happen. Like, I think a lot of the first thing I always tell people when you're, like, graduating is, like, give yourself, you know, like, at least six months to a year to, like, realize that it's going to take a little bit to get used to it. Like, a change in scenery, a change in location, change in even lifestyle. Like, it has such a major effect on your running. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's mm-hmm. crazy, like, to think, like, you can be running the best workouts of your life and not do well in a race, and it's really, like, oh, it's everything else. Yeah, I think um, that was all really well said, and it actually makes me think of the – I feel like I've been really lucky in the time after my college running's been done, you know, when, like, the, the height of your focus is on it. Um, it. I've had some really good conversations with my own college teammates, Dietrich included, about – our relationships with running and how they've molded um one of them i remember specifically uh our good friend lucas lust we'll give a shout out to him he uh one of his favorite bands and, and one of my favorite bands as well as the smashing pumpkins and we had this conversation one night about um we had all listened to this song called 33 that billy corgan wrote when he was 27 and kind of the idea behind the song he explained was that he wrote it from the perspective of where he thought he'd be when he was 33 years old, when he had this settled down house with his wife and these kids and the, the fame was dying down a little bit, but he still had kind of the excess of, of kind of his rock star lifestyle. Um, and he talks about how, you know, not long after he wrote that song, he realized that wasn't going to be the future he had when he was 33. And like, how do you, how do you reshape those things and how do you reshape your life around that? So I think that we kind of, I remember we all kind of talked about in a way we brought that back to running about, you know, if you strip away running from everything in your life, you know, what else do you have? You want, you need to make sure that you have more. Um, and even if we all have these different frames of running, you know, some of us are a little more committed. Some of us are kind of just doing it to do it. And some people don't run as much at all anymore. Um, and that's okay. And I think that still recognizing that it's not a thing of, there's no like intrinsic or external pressure. Like I have to be running or because I'm not running, I'm a bad person, even though I used to be running a lot. I think, you know, we've all been able to develop a healthy perspective to like our own sense of like, and maybe when we get to our 33, you know, I'm sure my running will, my relationship with running will look different when I'm 33 than it is now. And that's just what happens with time. But you gotta make sure that your perspective is even keeled with all that. I hate to throw the, the analogy, the, uh, the, the very uh, kind of crass analogy to it, but it's kind of like, 
when you're a senior or a junior in the team, and it goes for both genders, goes for both genders. You're senior and junior in team, and the freshman comes in with a girlfriend, girlfriend or boyfriend from college, and you're just like, well, let's see how this turns out. It's kind of like the same thing. Every time I see a person like a like a, an athlete out of a like like out of college, and it's like they're still really really in love with running, and it's like, oh, we'll see how it turns out in the next year or two. Um, <laughs> so it's like trying to see like because it is there is like kind of this like idea that you have when you're like at your peak of your senior year and it's like I have this like dream of like how rank's supposed to be and then you realize like oh shit I gotta fit running into everything else <laughs> wait the the way the uh, the athletic trainer is not free anymore right. <laughs> it's really expensive that's the worst. To get PT. I, yeah that's tough that's a tough realization I will say the beauty of it kind of is based off from colleges that you're not being like rushed anymore as far as like yeah in college you did have it made but I do remember like there are times and seasons and I remember telling my friend this like while we were in college like it's insanely hard to have two back-to-back really good seasons like which mm-hmm. you would it's think hilarious. like it's pretty simple but like no it's just like insanely hard as far as like he I remember um he in college had like a pretty like rough freshman year, really good sophomore year, rough junior year, really good or really good uh, senior year until it got canceled or something like that. And I was like the exact opposite. I was good, like really good freshman year, terrible sophomore year, really good junior year, blah blah blah. And part of that I think is just because like at like the first sign of like an injury or anything happening, like you have like two weeks to figure it out. Otherwise, like you're at championship season. <laughs> basically at that point and it's like all right like you either got to put down a time while you're halfway injured or find a way to recover from this injury within like a couple weeks otherwise you're behind like so now that you're like out you have like kind of your time to not only like figure out your priorities but also just like there's no like rush here especially when you come out like you're 22 23 years old when you come out of college you have like another t- 10 years of almost of if you want to continue down this road of PRing and getting better, like you have that time. Um, and I think that's kind of like, it's really like a long sighted view. That's hard to have, but sometimes it's like kind of comforting that whenever you come up on those like harsh realities of like injury or like stress, that like, it's going to be there when you come back. Like it's not going anywhere for a while. So that was kind of like, yeah, that was like a thing that me and my, uh, my roommate in college always talked about kind of, with how hard it was to just bounce back in the middle of a year in college versus coming out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard, like, because it's something that I've talked, I've been pretty open about, especially with some of the younger guys in this area. It's like, I think it comes up as kind of, I, I think it could come off as kind of a negative and somebody that used to coach, so they used to think I like, said that I was like negative about it. But it's like, I think there's, there's a honeymoon phase of running, especially if like, Coming, cutting, throwing aside, like, if you're a new runner to this, like, it's the honeymoon phase the entire time for those first couple years, which is dropping times exponentially. And it's like, I come, I come at it from the perspective of, like, oh, a lot of injuries. And also, like, me trying to figure out running when it's, like, just, like, become a very much a vice for me. Um, and it's, like, saying, like, hey, I've it's not going to be like that. Like it, it's not going to be like sunshine and daisies the entire time. 
you got to figure out why you enjoy it. Um, so like when I see people that are very like single-minded on it, I'm like, you got to figure something else out about this. Cause like once it goes wrong, like it's going to be like, that's a test. I always say that's a test of like the real run, like the, not the real runner, but like how much you actually enjoy it is like when it goes wrong. Cause it is going to go wrong. Also, want to say like, are you talking about me, man? <laughs> now, actually, yeah. No, but um, you're still yeah, here, aren't you? He's still here. But um, like the other thing, I also kind of want to make this distinction because it might sound like we're all just like kind of saying like, yeah, guys, like stop taking running so seriously. Like, really, like chill out, guys. Like, no, like I want to make this distinction that we're saying, like. We like we still care deeply about it, but you can't let it, like you can't have it just ruin your day anymore. In like mm -hmm. the way that we were talking about, like in college when you would have a bad race and go home and sulk for the entire weekend, like, and maybe that was just us four. I highly doubt it was, but like, I was a piece of shit. Like, if yeah, I didn't like, run well. oh, I would, dude, that'd be it. I would oh. run well and yeah. get on the bus and just almost be relieved, like, well, at least this bus ride's not gonna suck. Like, I ran well. Now the bus ride's not gonna suck. Like, and you guys are gonna hate me this weekend. <laughs> I, I would just listen to Radiohead, like just Radiohead. But it was, it was I think bad. also I had this I had this thought <laughs> too this weekend um, when we saw. Um, obviously, we, we'll bring him up again. We saw Zach run 216 at CIM this weekend, which is a huge PR for him. He's going to the trials, um, so huge shout-out to him. Um, but he's probably, like, no matter how busy we say we are here, he's even, like, he's ten times busier. Like, the amount of, like, I'm not going to go into it, but the amount of shit he does is ridiculous. And uh, being, like, a dad and everything like that while also running all those miles. and um, oh, <laughs> I'm at Miles, baby. And uh, I... Did, like uh, you, obviously, like the people listening probably haven't seen it, but like he had like the emotion come out like at the end of his marathon, where he said he was like he was crying those last like thirty seconds, like when he saw the finish line, and he was just like yelling the entire way coming through. And this is like where I'm gonna say the opposite of like for those people who are looking for a reason to keep going, it's like it's that dude, like because it even made me think about like how much like I miss caring about something that much. Like, that right there, like, you don't get many things in life that bring you that much emotion and that much, like, like and bring out that much emotion from you. Like, there's not that many things in life. Mm -hmm. And when you see it, it's kind of beautiful. And, it, like, if you're looking for a reason to keep going, it's, like, you just, like, look at photos of that, man. Like, because I guarantee, like, if you kind of, like get too serious about it let it envelop you start like all that stuff like take your breaks if you need but like i think i speak for most of us here that like we would i think we would miss caring about something that much <laughs> like mm -hmm. like having that vice outside of um just having to work all the time or like uh like go through like kind of mundane parts of life and stuff like that yeah he, he texted our group chat and said this is what life and work and this beautiful sport looks like is that and so he put um so we it's like vibes were last night against cam so he did the same thing was just like just cheering um and his verbatim was i believe in fully expressing your emotion whether happy or sad in a marathon and we put in so much work for the silly sport to cross like calm is a waste yeah i mean it's like chris we talked about this um a little bit on our cool down today like if you're <laughs> If you're, you know, 
three, four, five, however many years removed from college and you're still training at a high level, like you're still stacking mileage, like you're doing quality workouts, like you have to have some level of emotional investment in how you perform. And that's just like the bottom line of our sport. Like if you don't care, you're not going to run very well. And again, it is, it's very much like walking that fine line of like, okay, yes, like I'm emotionally invested and I really want to do well, but I'm not going to let a bad workout or a bad race ruin my like entire week. Um, because obviously you're a grown ass adult, like you have other stuff too, right? Um, but like, it just, to me, it's like important to be emotional about the sport because like when you look at Zach's marathon, like look at everything that went into that race, like look at the disappointment that happened in Chicago, look at like the months of training that went into that, like, and then to have that emotional outburst, like that's powerful. Like that's kind of like why we keep lining up to, to do this shit. So I think that it's like, Dietrich, like you said, like you have to, you have to care and you have to kind of give a shit to, to still continue to improve. Yeah. Pull, pull like a lot of these, like this weekend and it's tough. It's, it's hard not to get inspired by it. I pull like, I was trying to find photos for, for one of our newest efforts with, with Jason. And it's like seeing him win his hometown marathon before he, he qualified for the trials. And there's a photo of him just like mm-hmm. just losing it. And it's just like, he won his hometown marathon. And then he qualifies with Childs, and there's a little video of him just like cheering, just like losing his mind. There's a photo of Zach hugging, hugging uh, one of his, uh, I think it was one of the guys that he did the speed project with, just like hugging him. It's like you see one of the girls that like was stumbling to the line and just like crawled her way to a 236.55, like barely under the standard because her legs started giving out. And it's like, it's the emotion, it's the fire, and it's like, I, I, I do. For my own, for my own self, like benefit, like I, I do try to put it as like relaxed as I can because I realize like if I get obsessed with this again, I don't run well. I get on the line, I, I kind of act like I'm just like ah, I'm just gonna have fun with it because like that's I realize that if I'm really obsessed with it, I get, I, 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 I lose it. You gotta be loose, like going in. You yeah. gotta be loose and confident. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, exactly. That's but that's the, the. Oh sorry, yeah the. Chris, I'll open the door for you. Yeah, but, but there's like, <laughs> there there's a whole thing where it's, I you have to be obsessed with this still to be putting in the mileage. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be obsessed with it to be doing 70, 80, 90, 100 miles a week. You gotta be still obsessed with it to pick a random Tuesday head down to Ann Arbor and run four Ridge at four Harvard and four, four arms. Like it's like after work, it, it, it's yeah. At, like, at, like have that set up after work and go run a workout. Like you, like there has to be some level of obsession with it, but there also is like that kind of, I don't know if you can call it like maturity to be able to say like divide that from the rest of your life. Yeah, I'd say it's maturity, and I think it's maturity and commitment in a lot of ways. And I think that the take I was going to say, and I don't know if it's a hot or cold take. You guys can be the judge of that, but I think if you do a marathon and you finish it, I think you reserve the right to, to be, a little, be a little teary, be a little emotional afterwards. Um, because it's, it's truly, I mean, the marathon itself is such an amazing physical feat, but also just the culmination of work that you put in um 
you put in a lot. You do a ton for that, and you have to be committed to it, or else it's just not going to go well. So it's it really. I think it. You know, honestly, I think it is actually. Um, uh, Stu and Noah on D three Glory Days in your in your episode, Chris, kind of characterized it like I think Noah said, any finishing any marathon is an emotional experience, and I was like, absolutely, um, because it, it's just it's it's so uh, it's just unlike anything else in running, and I, I think, but I think you have to balance it well. I, I'd, I'd say like Boston, my first Boston, I think my emotions weren't balanced well because. I I put a little too much emotional weight into that race. I was like, it's Boston. It's my first Boston. I'd had a really bad 2020, and I kind of almost saw that race as like a pain reliever, which was like kind of a dangerous thing to do. And when it didn't, so when it didn't go well, I mean, it had sour taste in my mouth. But I think you know, conversely, when I went to Chicago, I was like, you kind of need to just uh, poker face, but also you know have fun with it like kind of like the interesting keep it loose keep it fun keep it confident and yeah. it worked out in that day and um i uh, I, I got yeah i got a little my eyes were a little watery after chicago especially I, when i, I saw would, my parents but I would, i'd say i was a little disappointed about about boston itself not so much like i the race didn't go well but like i just remember the last six miles were me like not being happy about it because i'm just like not i'm just trying to finish try to get back just trying to figure something out trying to get back out there and just like now let's say this we had this conversation this morning i don't i fully if you're if you're a racer and you're really like going after it i personally don't believe in the whole like i'm gonna enjoy the day <laughs> like i'm gonna enjoy like i see that so much on strava and it's like golf power to you if you're doing it whatever but like for me personally like if I'm falling apart in a marathon, I'm fighting all the way at the end. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna start jump. Like I, I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hammer as much as I can and see how much, how far I can go. I'm gonna, you gonna have to pull me off the fucking course. Um, exactly. And it's like, but the thing is with with Boston that, that year it was like, I, I yeah, I don't think I even wrote about it. It was just like it was such a disappointment for like six miles. Or like, or I guess it's four miles where it's like realizing that like my goal of breaking 2.30 wasn't gonna happen. And then like, I just kind of just, just try to hold it in and I fold it in. I was like, this sucks. I didn't appreciate it and enjoy it. I didn't like, I just, yeah. It was just such a bitter taste in my mouth. Where like Chicago, I remember the racing. I don't actually remember the city at all. Which, like, I kind of feel bad about that, because, like, all I focused on was the guy in front of me. I didn't focus on the city itself. So, like, I heard, like, the Chinatown. Like, I don't remember going across to the Chinatown, like, at all. Like I, I didn't either, honestly. It was very, like, I, I had to... Everyone told me that uh, Chinatown was, like, you're going to know when you're in Chinatown, because it's, like, just crazy energy. And it was, like, maybe it was uh, it was crazier really earlier. It. Yeah, I didn't really feel it on my end. I was just, like, focused on fighting, getting the next pack. And that was it. So yeah, but like, I don't know. It's there's to a point where like I hadn't felt like that. Like even Chicago was like I think the most the Chicago wasn't the most emotional that I felt. I think it's probably Boston. Boston like 2022 where I finally like actually like it was like a couple years of like work for that to try to finally break through there. Um, that's where I got emotional. 
Like, I was like, I finally fucking did it. I finally fucking did what I've been trying to set out to. And I hadn't had that kind of, like, feeling since I ran past stuff. And, like, that's, like, I haven't had that feeling since, like, I felt fast. Like, running a mile or, like, running, like, like, there's nothing exhilarating like running a really fast Dude, the track race. is intoxicating. And just, yeah, I'm telling you guys, the track is intoxicating. It is, it is, I'm telling you. Yeah, that's why it's so hard for us to leave it. That's why I haven't left. <laughs> like, <laughs> when, when you, like, run really fast on the track, it's so hard to leave it. And it's like, I can't ever get that. Because, like, a road 5K, I, will, I don't get that emotion. No. A road 10K, <laughs> I don't get that emotion. I really, I'm just like, I really don't give a shit. It, it is something. There is something about just, like, the atmosphere of the track. And, like, maybe it is because we're so conditioned. Because we had done it for so long, like that was, you know, that's a huge part of your high school and college careers. Like setting a PB on the track is is pretty fucking electric. Like it's a oh good. Oh my god! Feeling. Yeah. I mean, you're oh, in there. Oh, you're yeah. in there. You're battling. You're in like you're in the pit. And and I think it's like too. Like whenever I'm on the track, I associate it with those memories. Like when you're at a meet in college and your teammates are all there, like cheering for you. Like there's just like this this atmosphere to it. This like yeah. um, sense memory that makes it powerful. Like. It's it's just different. I I would say like Toledo didn't give like half marathons don't really give you that, except for NYC half. NYC half was pretty cool, except for like a lot of it was kind of shitty. Like the middle parts are kind of shitty, but like the marathon's different. The marathon's like really much like an adventure. Like you're on an adventure. I, I can sit here and tell you that I've run dual meets uh, that had a better energy than finishing the Toledo half marathon. <laughs> Finishing into this is an this is, last this, full stadium we are was absolutely this we is are the absolutely roast. ripping this mar this <laughs> marathon apart, dude. Hey, 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 hey. Just just spin the facts here. I'm not trying to be a hater. But first and foremost, we are haters. but no, the, but there is a thing with that. Like the camaraderie that comes with track racing and different things like that, like it's so hard to like you it's addicting. So like it's most most like that's also a thing like most road racers aren't going to be exciting <laughs> like it'll be fun racing if yeah. you like if you like racing that's fun but like the emotion that comes from it i think the emotion will only come from like you're like i think it comes from a couple things it'll come from track it'll come from cross-country racing with a team that you love or marathon there's not really any other like well, you were in a half, half. You were in a fast half marathon. Who gives a shit? <laughs> you were in a fast ten k on the roads. Who gives a shit? Who been the fast half k on the roads? Who gives a shit? Like when you're running with the, when you're running with your group for a cross country race and you're like fighting for every spot and you finish and you see mm -hmm. how like everybody together. And it's just like, yeah. Or like you're on a track race and you feel the fastest you've ever raced. It's like, oh, fuck yeah, that's fucking the emotions there. Yeah. But like other than that, I don't have. I've never had it from anything else. And that might be case to case. Like, I'm sure there are some people who, like, they have run an electrifying, like, Road 10K, and it was, like, the best memory they've ever had. So I think it, it probably just depends, but I, I don't know. Personally, I'm in the camp, like, I haven't experienced, like, the feeling I get when I PR on, like, a five a 5K on the track that I have, like, in a half marathon. Yeah. I think I think that speaks to, you know, after, after collegiate running, being able to make or even just running in general when you're not part of a team like atmosphere per se being able to have goals that aren't necessarily necessarily like quantitative and being able to make them your own 
maybe like, you know, this, whether or not it's, I want to run sub 230 at Boston, or if it's, I want to run my first half marathon after I've had stress fracture after stress fracture. It's, I, I, I think that's where you see those little victories where someone, like you said, Max, case by case, you know, you can see someone amped as hell at your local 5K. And that could just be because they, that was their first 5K they've done in years. They haven't been able to do it. Or, you know, whatever reason may be out there. And I think that's what's beautiful about the sport as a whole is that no matter what background you come from, whether or not you're a collegiate runner, if you were a D1 All-American, or if you picked up the sport, you know, when you were 27 for, Ooh. wow, we popping something back there? The New Year's right. Eve? Um, anyways, regardless of your background, being able to find these goals and find your victories in whatever that environment is is a really special thing. 